Good afternoon. Glad that you are here. On your seat, you'll find the notes for the message this weekend. If you will grab that, we can jump into it. While you do that, let me welcome all of our campuses, not just here uh, at Lone Tree, but Highlands Ranch, Castle Rock. Um, Man, we are getting so close to Lakewood. I'll talk about that here in just a second. Those that will live stream us later this week, whether you're hearing it off of your iPod or you're listening to it in your car or however you tune in, we are very glad that you're part of the greater JFC family. I want to make sure that you feel welcome. Uh, Our series is called Heroes, and we are just taking different characters from the Bible. Um, Here's sort of the difficulty. Each one of these is probably worthy, not probably, worthy of a series, to be honest with you. Last week we taught about David, and how do you take someone's life who did so much and accomplished so much, and I mean, what an interesting person, and try to boil it down into one message that's about 40 minutes. I mean, that's, in a way, it's unfair. Um, So what we're trying to do are to take what we consider to be the things that are most influential about that person, the things that, that really stand out in their story, and then talk about that. So tonight we're going to talk about Mary. Again, can you agree with me that this woman would be worthy of spending an incredible amount of time looking at her life and looking at the things that made her uh, so special and so incredible. So in your notes right here, um, I put down these first two bullet points. Number one, heroes don't wear capes. Can you agree with that statement? Aren't you glad they don't wear capes? Um, I put down, this is a true statement when it comes to heroes. Most real heroes don't even know that they're heroes. I guess that's one of the things that makes them heroes, the humility that's there, and the fact that when they end up doing something heroic, most of the time they don't do it thinking this is heroic. They end up in a situation and they just respond the right way, if that makes any sense whatsoever. Right below that, I put, I had a situation this week where I saw that take place. And it's something that I'm just so proud of, so pleased with, something that I wanted to bring to your attention and something that I feel like God will use uh, sort of in a neat way, not only to inspire some folks in here, but, but maybe just to um, kind of clue us into something that God is doing right now that I want to give you a chance to be involved in. Um, this, this week on, uh, on Tuesday, Pastor Marcus and, and Amy, our Lone Tree uh, campus pastors, had said to me, um, could you come and meet with, with the Lone Tree staff for about five minutes? Now, normally on, on most Tuesdays, that's not a problem. Tuesday's a really busy day for me. But normally when, when a pastor says, hey, can you, can you come and address one of our staffs? Um, I, I like to do that. I want to spend time. And this is what they said to me. They said, we have a presentation for you, which made me even more excited to get over here and to, and to be a part of it. So um, the problem was just coming back off a of sabbatical, I am really busy right now. And I looked at my schedule and I said to Marcus, I just don't see how I'm going to be able to, to get over there. One of the things that we had to do, I had several meetings that morning and our staff meeting took place over at the Highlands Ranch campus. And then after that, I was supposed to go and meet with the bank over the Lakewood situation. And Marcus said, John, it's really important. Is there any way you can meet us? And I just said, Marcus, I, I just don't, I don't have the time. I just don't see how I'm going to be able to do it. Well, normally, um, my staff is really good about hearing that and, and accommodating me. But Marcus did this. Marcus, like every half hour, would go, is there any way that you can come to, to, to Lone Tree and make this meeting? And uh, it was unusual for me, and that normally that's not, that's not at all how Marcus um, interacts with me. Uh, and, 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 and it was odd in that I felt like, uh, you know, is there, is there something here that I need to be paying attention to? So finally, I just relented, and I said, Marcus, I don't know how we'll do it, but I'll, I'll, I'll try to make this meeting right here. He said, it'll really be worth your time, and I promise you it's only a five-minute meeting. Can I just say to you, anytime somebody promises you it's only a five-minute meeting, 
meeting. It's never a five-minute meeting. And I've done this uh, it's 26 years. I can promise you if, if every five-minute meeting has kept me going for 26 years. So here's the, here's the, here's the deal. I, I get over here, and um, I pull up in the parking lot. I'm literally I'm running in between appointments. Um, I come walking in. Marcus has the entire staff out there in the foyer. And I walk in, and they all scream, and they shout, and they clap. Welcome back, Pastor John. It was really great. And I thought, you know, this, if you wanted to welcome me back, this was not the presentation I needed right now. And then, and then he goes, we've done something that I want you to be aware of. He said, I approached this staff. And he said, I told the Lone Tree staff that, that man, we need 100% buy-in in what God is doing in our church and the fact that he's moving in campuses and the fact that this Lakewood campus is, 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 is a part of, of how God's doing it and we're, we're trying to raise the funds for it. So Marcus just said, here's, here's what I did. He said, I approached all of these pastors and all of, all of the leadership here at this campus and I asked them, would they, would they give to an offering themselves towards the Lakewood campus? And then they presented me with a check for, um, for better than $4,000 that a bunch of pastors, that's significant when a bunch of pastors do something like that. And here's what I love about it. This campus did it for that campus. What an act of unity. What a, what a brilliant thing. And I'm driving away in my car over to meet with the bank. And I'm thinking to myself, these guys don't know what they have done in the spirit. When you start doing things like that, where you're not like concerned for us, but let's elevate this other campus. And we make the statement, we're one church that meets in many locations. And Marcus, here's how we presented the check to him. He said, John, you have 100% buy-in from everybody at this campus on what the vision of our church is. Wow. And I get done with that, and Pastor Dan calls me, and next week, the campus pastors are supposed to teach. Dan said, John, would it be okay if Pastor Evan teaches at Highlands Ranch. And I said, sure, why are you thinking that though? And this is what Dan said. He said, I have looked at the number of people that attend our campus. And he said, by a large majority, many of those people live in Lakewood are, are from that direction. He said, John, if we let Evan teach here next weekend, Evan can cast the vision for Lakewood. He said, I bet a third of our church will leave with him. That's a crazy statement. But man, does it show forth a value that is, it is not about what's going to take care of me, it's about what's going to take care of God. I'm going to stop here and I'm going to say to you, in my mind, those are heroic moves. Because they're not, they're, they're people who are making decisions not with what's best for me, but what's best for the situation, what's best for the vision, what's best for God. And so I want to say this and then challenge our church with it right now. When, when you're praying, God bless me, God help me to walk in your blessing, can I give you a secret? Instead of saying, God bless me, find out what God is blessing and then just go become a part of it. And you can't help but be blessed. So if you're looking right now, where? Listen, help us get this campus done. We're we're right now in the middle of about to sign all the paperwork with the bank. I would love to pay cash for this and tell the bank to stick it. How how about... Well, that's terrible, I know, but... Wouldn't you love to tell the bank that? And we we are so close to being able to do that. And I just want to throw out to you, if it's, if it's in your heart, 
anywhere at all. It is what God is doing. It is a supernatural thing that is happening right now. Church, I want to challenge you because I know within our congregation, we have people who have the means to be able to do it instantaneously. Hear your pastor say it right now. God is doing it in a sovereign way. If you're looking for a place of God's blessing, it's right there. Does that make any sense? Say amen. Amen. Okay, how many times do I ever ask for money? Not often. God's doing something on this one right here, and I'm excited about it. Still shooting for um, Easter to be the opening, we hope. We're right there. I, I was overlooking at it this week. It is beautiful. It is, it is fantastic. Um, we are so excited about that and, and, and where we're at with it. So, Lakewood Campus, come on. It's, it's almost there. All right, let's talk about Mary. Um, here's, here's a couple of thoughts on Mary that, that I thought were really um, different. First of all, uh, I grew up as a Catholic kid. So when I say this, I don't say it from a negative. I say it from a positive. I know some people, um, they're Catholic bashers. I'm not. I had, I had a good experience uh, growing up in the Catholic Church. Now, here was my, this is my experience. This is not everybody else's experience, but it's mine. I'm entitled to my story. Here was my story. Catholic Church did a tremendous job teaching me facts and figures about who Jesus was, who the Holy Spirit was, who God the Father was, who Mary was. They, they taught that really well, but they did not ever bring me to a personal relationship with God. So it's not a bash, it's just simply a statement. It's the way that I grew up. I, I, I went through catechism, I made my first communion, I was, uh, I was an altar boy. Little known fact about Pastor John, he was an altar boy. I went to Catholic school up until the fourth grade. I, I had a Jesuit um, brother who was as mean as mean can co- the th- He'd be arrested today for the things that they did. But I promise you, nobody ever backtalked him. Nobody did anything. You were afraid to breathe in a way. Guy was tough. Grew up in Catholic, Catholic teaching early on. And here's, here's a truth. When it comes to Mary, Catholics take the teaching on Mary very far. But Protestants never take it far enough. Did you hear that? So I'm going to give a, a giveaway. Catholics tend to take it really far. And in some ways, they make great error with what's being taught on that. Anytime you begin to worship anything other than the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, you make a mistake. Yeah. Oh, am I not allowed to say that? In a <laughs> Holy smokes, what's wrong with my church tonight? It's like, oh, I, I don't know if I want to agree with you. I'll say it one more time. The Bible clearly teaches we worship Jesus, we worship God the Father, the Holy Spirit, the three in one. Outside of that, we don't worship anything else. Amen. Clearly. So I would just say Catholics take the teaching on Mary very far. But Protestants, because of that issue, are afraid. So they never take the teaching on Mary far enough. And I will say to you, Mary has a special place in all of history and humanity that no other woman ever had or will have. She's an extremely unique individual. But because of the fear that many, many Protestants have, based on, on some errors in Catholicism, then they didn't tend to reject the entire theology and thought about Mary's role. And, and the Bible has a lot to teach about her. She's a very unique individual. There's a lot to be learned from Mary. 
So I put down in your notes, while, while it is true that some take it too far, Protestants don't take it far enough, let me say this. What really intrigues me about Mary and what you'll find in her life where you will find with no other woman, the Bible said she had more favor than any other woman who ever walked on the face of the earth. So Mary had unusual favor. Now let me say, even in this series, when I taught about Joseph, I taught about supernatural favor. But for whatever reason, when I was studying about this, the whole theme of favor came back out again. And I'm going to tell you something. I'm tempted because I taught about it recently to say, okay, let me find something else to teach about. But when God is the one who is showing you something, it pays to tell yourself no and God yes. yes. Not God no and yourself yes. True. Do you agree with that? Yeah. So in studying about this, in talking about favor, let me, uh, Luke chapter 1, 26 through 30 will be our text, and I'll build the house from there. So Luke chapter 1, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy. Now remember, Elizabeth is John the Baptist's mother, is Mary's cousin. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found, what's the word? Favor. Let's all do it together. You have found favor. You've found favor with God. Let me stop and just point this out to you and see if you can agree with this. Of all the things an angel could say to you, you've got to admit to me that would be a wonderful thing to hear. If God were to to be so so, uh, favored towards you, that he were to send an angel, but not just an angel, an archangel. There's only one of a few. But the angel Gabriel, here's what Gabriel said about himself. I stand day and night in the presence of God. The powerful statement. And Gabriel is dispatched from heaven to this woman with this message. Do not be afraid because you have found favor with God. You've got to admit to me of all the things an angel could say, that would be one that would probably get you excited. It would be one that I think everybody in this room would want to hear. But here's the problem. If you don't understand what supernatural favor is, then maybe something's lost in translation. You might go, hey, that's really neat. You, you, if you don't get the culture behind what's being told to her, you may not understand how significant and powerful and why you would want it said to you. I put down in my notes, they're not in yours, I just wrote this. Favor is the intangible and the very obvious all at the same time. It's the intangible and the very obvious all at the same time. Let me explain to you. Uh, I'll give away a little bit of my age. Duke Ellington. Anybody recognize the name? Ten of us. That's bad. (laughs) Duke Ellington was one of the foremost jazz musicians, one of the foremost musicians, period, of the 20th century. Profoundly talented, unbelievable in what he did, and yet I, there's a whole generation that's on the scene now that has no idea who it is. He, he was cool when there wasn't such a thing. He was asked this question one time, can you explain rhythm? What is it? Duke gave this definition, if you got it, we know it. If you don't got it, we know it. 
I would take favor, and I would say, if you need a really good definition of favor, I would begin right there. If you got it, we know it, and if you don't got it, we know it. Illustration, Tim Tebow. Polarizing instantly. Let me say this about Tim Tebow, see if you can agree with this. Regardless of what you think about his talent, regardless of what you think about him personally or professionally, yes or no, he has tremendous favor on his life. Let, Let me point something out to you. The man preaches the gospel of Christ unhindered in the darkest of places. He preaches in places I could never get to. And they beg him to. Every major network puts a camera on him because they're hoping. They think it's a way to mock him. And he ends up preaching the gospel in everyone's living room. That is favor. How about this? In my opinion. Did you hear that? My opinion. His arm is average. Average. But he is a superstar because there is supernatural favor on his life. Another quarterback with his talent in the NFL would not be doing anything like he's doing. It is supernatural favor. Here's the deal with favor. Favor is the thing that takes Everyone who, when it's all said and done, are pretty equal. At that level, to make it in the NFL, everyone is a superstar. Recognize that. At that level, it's the best of the best. What then makes that one stand out? When favor touches a person's life, when it's not talent, then it's favor. Let me give you a negative pressure. Duke Ellington said, if you got it, we know it. If you don't got it, we know it. Let me talk to you about someone who lost favor, Tiger Woods. Talk to me for a minute. Talent-wise, in my opinion, he is perhaps the greatest golfer that ever lived, and maybe one of the more superior athletes in our generation and time. Only history will bear that out for sure. But if nothing else, he is in the top one, two, or three of all-time greats when it comes to golf and as an athlete. Tremendous amount of money he generates just because of his talent and his presence. Do you agree with that statement? And yet, listen to this. One of my favorite teachers is Joyce Myers. She is, in my, in my opinion, <laughs> she is the female me. She... <laughs> I wish. I wish. <laughs> I wish. I... I admire her. I love to hear her teach. 
She just, uh, man, she knows how to, uh, in, in my, she can hit, hit the mark. And she said, this is probably something I heard uh, 15 years ago, but it stuck with me. She said, your gifting can open doors for you that your character cannot sustain you in. Just think about that statement for a moment. Your gifting or your talent can open doors for you that your character is not yet ready to sustain you in. I would point, and I'm not pointing a finger at Tiger Woods like, no judgment. It's just a simple statement. The man is ultimately supremely talented, but the character lacked. And the ultimate issue here is character with, without, I'm sorry, talent without the development of character is a disaster that's waiting to happen. It's proverbial to look around and to see that over and over again. So we have a generation of people today who, who spend all their time developing talent. But I would submit to you, character is at least as important, if not more so, because without it, you can't sustain the blessing. Does that make any sense? So back to the, the issue here. Favor is the intangible, yet the obvious. It's what separates, elevates, and promotes. Supernatural favor gets God's attention. How about that? Somehow Mary stood out to God, and the answer was, you have found a level of favor that no one else has. And yet, in reverse... To not have it or to lose it, you'll stand out, but the wrong way. You know, sometimes when I'm teaching, uh, I, I don't know how aware you are at any given time of the presence of God, but I would just say to you this way, there's times when I'm teaching that I suddenly realize that I've stepped into something that the Holy Spirit is just a hush that falls instantaneously. I don't know if wheels turn and people begin to look at their own lives or if it's because we begin to examine things with the eyes of the Holy Spirit all of a sudden, but I would tell you right now we're at one of those places where the Holy, there's a hush that falls all of a sudden. People think deeply. So don't reject it. Don't push it away. Breathe for a moment. Take it in deep. What's God saying right now? What's the Holy Spirit saying? Let me go this way. My quote, one day of favor is better than a lifetime of hard labor. So I'm not against hard work. I think hard work is, it's blessed by God. I think hard work is a, is a characteristic that we want to show our children. We want our children to be able to demonstrate that to their children. Hard work is wonderful, but I, I need to say this to you. I want you to understand. One day of favor can make more happen for you than all of your hard work combined over a lifetime. Maybe another way to say it would be this, that God can do more for you in an instant than you can do for yourself over 50 years. If I could show you scripturally three ways to increase your favor, would it matter to you? Would you not just passively shake your head? 
But would you seize it? Would you grab it? Would you say, I'll do something with it? Would you talk about it? Would you pray about it? Let me give you three ways to increase favor. According to the scripture about Mary, I want to read Luke chapter 1, 31 through 35, and then 37 through 38. Remember, the angel Gabriel has come to Mary with an astounding statement. Greetings, favored woman, the Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favor with God. The story then continues right here. You will conceive and give birth to a son. You will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. He will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, how can this happen? It's a legitimate question. Because I'm a virgin. The angel replied to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy And he will be called the Son of God. Look at this sentence. For nothing is impossible with God. Let's say that together. Nothing is impossible with God. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And the angel left her. Let me give you three ways to increase favor in your life. The first one, faith. Faith. Now, here's a truth, and I probably say this every time I talk about faith. Faith in the last 20 years in America has been abused more as a tool to be taught people how to get money or stuff from God. But that is not what real faith is. Real faith is not you deciding, I want that, so I'm going to come up with some kind of philosophy to help me. I believe it, I want it, I see it, I'll get it. The Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. And what that means, that word word in in the Greek literally means the spoken word. When we hear God say something inside of us, it produces faith. How do you know you really are hearing something from God inside of you? It produces a belief. I want that. I believe that can happen. Why do we believe it can happen? Because of our belief? No, because with God, all things are possible. You don't have faith in your faith, you have faith in God. In Luke chapter 1, 31 through 33, you will conceive, give birth to a son. You will name him Jesus. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. What a... This angel, folks, stay... Get this. No time to teach this incredibly unbelievable message. Scholars believe that she's approximately 14 or 15 years old. She is, for the most part, uneducated. The society that she lives in, she is considered chattel or property of a man. And that's once she's married. Before that, her father. She can be stoned on the spot for adultery, but in particularly for becoming pregnant outside of marriage. 
This is not a maybe. This is not. Do you remember when the woman in John chapter 11 is brought before Jesus? And this is what they said to him. Moses said we can stone her. What do you say? And they're holding the rocks. This was not something that happened every once in a while. This is how a woman was treated in that day. And in some places in the Middle East is still treated today that way. So you've got this, this person, if you could... To, we read the story on the other side of the event, and what it does is it sanitizes it. It disinfects it. It cleans it up so that when we read it, it's this nice Christmas story. But let, I need to tell you something. This, this is scandalous. This is at best dirty. Do not be offended by that. We read it understanding what God did. They're on the previous side of it. So let me make two statements. The angel shows up, announces to her, you are going to give birth to the Son of God. God's going to to save all of humanity through your progeny. And she goes, how can this be? Because I'm a virgin. And, And the angel says, the Holy Spirit's going to come upon you and you'll become pregnant and you're going to give birth to the Son of God. We read it now. You... It's got to be somewhat mind-blowing to her. It's got to be somewhat confusing. Don't, at, the, at the most minimal level, she had to think, am I tripping right now? <laughs> at the most minimal level. Now, now so let me point this out to you. Diana, how about this? You and I, if we had this experience today, we could point back to Mary and say, aha, God does do things like this. She has no scriptural precedent for God doing anything like this. You want to talk about faith? You and I can point to the Bible, pull a scripture out and go, God said it so I can believe it. Here's the problem. She doesn't have any Bible that she can read that says God's ever done anything. Anything like this. All she can do is decide, I'll believe. And I would submit to you that faith. The faith that when God says something that no one else can ever explain. And you have to stand there and to decide, I will believe this regardless of what anybody else thinks about me. That is faith and that attracts God. Oh, that's good. That, that's good. So, so she has no scriptural precedent for this. She has no no teacher, no manual, no book she can point to. She just has to decide she's going to believe it. How about this? She understood. Once it was said to her, she understood she would bear the reproach How do I say it? She Knew enough to know that if I say yes to this, it is going to be costly in terms of how people look at me, what my husband thinks about me, what my parents think about me, what my village thinks about me, what, what everyone... It's, it's going to be... Co- she understood I will bear the reproach for doing what God asked me to do. I would submit to you that real faith is willing to pay the price... We live in a day and age where we believe everything that God says to us. 
is, is like a Cracker Jack box. Well, here's God. I'm going to pray. Open it up. Here's the prize. Can I say to you, sometimes God calls you to suffer. Yeah, I, I knew the amens would be few and far between on that one. Oh, what the, I'm taking my jacket off. <laughs> We're going for broke here. Sometimes to serve God is not, if I serve God, it's just blessing after blessing after blessing. Eventually it will be because he is a rewarder. I'll show you a scripture here in just a second. But sometimes to serve God costs you everything you have. Will you still believe? There's a popular message. Can I tell you that the truth of the gospel is that? That part of serving God is blessing, but part of serving God requires you to be different than this world. And because of that, Jesus said, if they hated me, they'll hate you too. It's quiet. Hebrews 11.6, Paul wrote this, Without faith, it's impossible to please God. I have heard men take that scripture and twist it to be what I said. They use God to acquire things. We live in a day of the gospel of acquisitiveness. How much stuff can I get if I serve God? Where I would say to you, God would ask you, if it costs you everything, will you still serve me? You know, I made this statement a while ago. God doesn't need fans. He needs disciples. This kind of faith attracts heaven. This kind of faith is real faith. This kind of faith gets the rewards at the end of the day. Some rewards don't come in this life. Some rewards come in that life. Jesus taught us, store up for yourself treasures in that life where the things of this world can't come in and eat it all up. Somehow we are so focused on what I can get here and now in this life. Can I tell you, if you get it now, you don't get it then. Part of your thinking as a believer should be, I'm delaying part of my reward because it will mean more to me then and there than it does here and now. Does that make any Heaven's real. Three ways to increase favor. Faith, character. In Luke chapter 1 verse 34, she asked the question, how can this happen because I'm a virgin? At that place in time, being a virgin was not unusual. At this place in time, it's a little more so. Her character was not entirely found in the words, I'm a virgin. In other words, I've maintained this promise. Or I'm going to present this gift. Her character was a little deeper than that. Mary had a godly lifestyle that was pleasing to the Lord overall. In Luke 2.52, this is what the Bible says about Jesus. Listen to this. 
Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. If Jesus can increase in favor, you and I can increase in favor. If Jesus can increase in favor, you and I can increase in favor. The first part of that says he increased in wisdom and in stature. Now, it could mean that he just simply grew up, but I'm going to give you a more broad meaning. Wisdom and stature is character. He grew in character. And therefore, he grew in becoming more pleasing to God. A godly lifestyle is pleasing to God. You're shouting me down. I can't hardly preach here. It's just... Let me, let me, I'll hit the last one. Three ways to increase in favor, faith, character. The last one is ask. In Luke one thirty eight, Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. Sometimes we don't have favor in our life because we never ask for favor in our lives. Jesus said you have not because you ask not. Favor should be your prayer every day. Let me give you a couple of thoughts here. Every time I come to church ready to teach, I pray, God, give me favor with this group of people. If I don't have favor with you, how far do you think I can take you when I teach? If I don't have favor with you, what can be accomplished when I stand up here? I would would submit to you, any pastor who loses his favor with his people needs to move on. Once you lose favor, you are in a death spiral. Favor is one of those intangible yet in completely visible issues. You, you must have faith. You as a mom need favor with your children. As, as a businesswoman, you need favor with your customers. As a believer, you need favor when you stand before people and you need favor with God and you should be asking, give me favor, increase my favor. Listen, God approves of every person in this room, but there are levels of favor and you can see it in what different believers do in their lives. Do you agree with that? Not everybody does the same thing. Pray for supernatural favor. God, give me favor. Pray for it every time you go into a meeting. Pray for it in every business deal. Pray for it with pray for it with every bank you meet with. I did have a neat one. This I won't tell you which bank, but the banker, I had to email the banker. She emailed me back. She said, Your timing is perfect. That's Favor. Well, I don't believe that. Then get the email that says this. Your timing is horrible. (laughs) Yes or no? It's pretty obvious. You want supernatural favor. All right, Old Testament. In 1 Chronicles chapter 4, verse 10, there was a book that was written, I don't know, 10 years ago. Uh, The guy that wrote it, it was called The Prayer of Jabez. Anybody in here remember that book? Did you ever read that? Really cool. It's, here's, it's this obscure character who, who I mean, is placed in, in history, is relegated to a few passages in Scripture. But his deal was, he just prayed a prayer that got recorded in Scripture. It was a pretty powerful prayer. Part of his prayer, I put in your notes, 
Jabez cried out to the God of Israel. Look at this. Oh, that you would what? Bless me. So let, me, let me submit to you. If God decided to include it in the scripture, there had to be a reason why. Because I bet you a lot of people prayed prayers that never made it in the Bible. So there had to be something significant about this prayer. Okay. Jabez cried out to the God of Israel, Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me. Keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. And God granted his request. Let me just stop right here. How many of you would love that prayer to come true for you in your life? And if you don't raise your hand, you don't get it. So I'm going to try one more time. How many of you would love to have that prayer come true in your life? Oh, God, that you would bless me. Enlarge my tents. Bless me. Bless my life. Bless my finances. Bless my family. Bless all my stuff. Bless my car. My washing machine. My refrigerator. Now, if you don't have problems with those things, this is just stupid. But if you've got problems with it, you're like, oh, he's preaching tonight. He just, he's just, he's hearing from God. He's on. He's on. He's on. Woo, I feel it. I can just feel it tonight. How about this? Keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. What a powerful statement right there. If you're young, it's probably absolutely the stupidest thing you ever heard. But get a little older and stuff starts happening. You just hurt. Now, I'm having a little fun with the physical, but, I, you know, one of the things, we had a, um, an overnight staff retreat. We're going to do a series coming up talking about um, being delivered from the pit. One of the pits we're going to talk about is the pit of pain. Long-term pain can be one of the most depressing things that any believer will ever face. Where's God in pain? What's the response to pain? My response is, God, heal me. But what if he doesn't right then? What if the deliverance is as you go, not right there on the spot? This Phil led to hit that for a minute because this prayer is a significant... If you don't experience pain, it's not significant. But if you've ever heard, it's a significant thing to pray, God, keep me from pain. And then the Bible says that God did that for him. Would you say yes to that? So how is that possible? With God, all things are possible. I I am impressed by a 15-year-old girl. I am impressed with the level of understanding that she had. I am impressed that at 48, I don't grasp some of what she got at 15. I am impressed because here's a 15-year-old that I would consider somebody that I want to be like. When's the last time you wanted to be like a (laughs) 15-year-old? Do you get what I'm saying in that right there? I mean, something is significant about this young woman. Something is different about her. Something Something is highly favored. And as Protestants, we don't take it far enough. Do you hear me? Can I be your pastor right now? Will you let me speak into a place that maybe you've just not known how to handle it? 
Three ways to increase in favor. Faith, character, and ask. If I were to end the message right at this point and said, what's our response place? There are two things that I hear. The first one is, I would ask God to stir real faith up in your life. Not faith to acquire things, but faith that pleases God. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. I'm talking real faith. Faith that when God speaks something to you, even if you don't know how to do it or it's going to cost you everything. If you're like Mary and you recognize what God is calling me to do is going to cause me embarrassment. It will not be easy. I am going to bear reproach if I do what God told me to do. Real faith is willing to do it. If your faith is weak at that moment, then you're weak indeed. Do you know the Bible says that? It's not a cut, it's not a slam, it's a challenge to have your faith strengthened. Paul prayed this, may you be strengthened in your inner man. I believe he's calling people to a life of higher faith, belief in God, yes to what God is telling me, and an abandonment, I will trust you, I will place my life in your hands, I will do what you tell me to do, it is more important to me than how I look in this world, it matters how I'm going to look in that world. That's right. Does that make sense? We, we live in that day and that time when heaven is very much, it's, it's, it's a cartoon in a newspaper. The reality is this is life. No one's getting out alive. Everybody in this room will stand before God. Everybody in this room, you will be just as alive 10,000 years from now as you are right this second. Where you will be is the decision. That's rugged. Real faith. I would call my church to real faith. I would call my church to sacrificial faith. I would call my church to be willing to lay down your life for the cause of Christ. I would call my church that if it costs you everything, he's worth it all. I would call my church to live above and beyond the reality of this world. I would call my church to a higher level. I would call my church to a place of real faith. My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches and glory. Rather than seeing that as a ticket to get money from God, let's see it as God will meet all your needs, even if it costs you everything in this life. Do you understand the difference between the two? I'm out of time. I am. I am. Father... Everything at this point on that I teach, Lord, honestly, it becomes superfluous because there's nothing else that I can say that just simply will not be redundant. God, I would just ask right now that at every campus, Highlands Ranch, listen to me. Castle Rock, pay attention.
Lone Tree, you've got a great luxury right now. You've got a great luxury. Take advantage of it. If you're by yourself in your car, maybe you're running right now. Maybe you're working out, I don't know, but you're listening to this. What is God saying to you about real faith? You know, the power of this message would simply be this. You may not be asked by God to do anything There may not be any other outside influence that this message connects to right now. There may not be anything that that your memory is jogged about. Oh yeah, God wants me to do that or God's been speaking to me. What makes this message special is that it stands by itself in God just challenging us. Will you give your whole life to me? There may not be anything else to connect it to other than that. Will you give your life to Him? Will you bow your knee? Maybe you you got involved. Maybe you're participating because you did hear a message that if I come to God, He'll give me everything that I want. Here's the problem. The longer that you have served Him, the more you realize you were lied to. God is not some cosmic Santa Claus or grandfather. He's not looking for fans. He's looking for disciples. want truth, real discipleship will cost you everything. Jesus calls you to pick up your cross and to follow him. Do you want to know who I'm talking to right now? I'm talking to believers. I'm talking to people who have already said to God, Forgive me of my sins. Give me your life. I think that this message is a challenge to those people. I think what the Holy Spirit is saying is, I want you to come higher. He's calling you to be a disciple. Listen, not a follower, a disciple. Jesus had hundreds, if not at times, thousands of people who followed him. But he only had a few disciples. The Bible tells us in John chapter 6, when he taught a very difficult message, that most of his followers turned and left him. And only very few of his disciples were there any longer. You've heard a bit of a difficult message tonight. Here's what Jesus said to Peter Are you going to leave me too? Peter replied to Jesus, Where would we go? You have the words of true life. Once you've experienced his life, you know there is no place to go. There's nothing to go back to. But God does call us higher. He calls us up. 
So I speak to this church, JFC, all its location. One church meeting in many places. What's God speaking to you right now? Can I challenge you to move from the realm of a shopper? To move from the realm of a taker? To move from the realm of someone who's just checking it out? Can I challenge you tonight to move to the realm of discipleship? I will lay my life down for you. God willing, he never calls you physically to do it, but spiritually, emotionally, he calls us to lay our lives down, to prefer him, to love him, to choose him above everything else. Where are you at on that issue? I'm going to ask for it right now. I don't care if you've walked with God for 30 years or this is your first time coming to church. If anything that I'm saying right now, the Holy Spirit is using to speak to your heart and you're willing to fully surrender your life to Christ, everything. Anything that I'm saying, the Holy Spirit speaks to you right now very strongly about. I want to pray for you. I will not embarrass you. You know me. I won't parade you around. I won't use you. I won't manipulate you. But I feel very strongly that God is speaking right now. If He's calling you to a higher level, if He's challenging you in your faith, and you're willing to say yes to Him. I want you to raise your hand right now, wherever you are. Oh, that's what I thought. That's what I thought. Be not ashamed. Be not ashamed. Boldly put yourself out there right now. If the Holy Spirit's not speaking to you, it's good. No judgment, no condemnation. But if God is speaking to you, don't be ashamed. Boldly. The Bible tells us boldly to come to the throne room to obtain grace and mercy in our time of need. Boldly right now. Boldly come into his presence God I don't know exactly how to pray except to say that for every person who is hearing from you right now give them real faith to commit not an emotional I want to go higher not a mental acquiescence to something I'm praying right now for the fire of God to hit your life praying right now that that your character could fully match your gifting so that the place that God wants to take you is sustainable. I'm praying that the, the, the blessing of God that you're praying for would never be a curse to you, but would be a blessing because your life is in a place where the blessing won't be worshipped, only God will be worshipped. I don't care how old you are, how young you are, Here's the Holy Spirit right now and His ability to attract at every level, every campus, every educational experience. The Holy Spirit's able to come through right now and be personal to you. The God of the universe (laughs) knows the color of your eyes. He comes to you. 
Whatever the Lord speaks to you, tell him yes right now. Yes. Yes, Lord, yes. Holy Spirit, we just take a moment, solidify this in our lives. Press this seed down deep. I pray against the enemy of our soul stealing anything that God would want to plant in our lives. God, I ask for fruit from this surrender. Let life come out of this right now. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Church, have you stand to your feet. As our worship team closes out our services right now, you have the chance to respond. Use all of the elements that we offer. Before you pack it in and back out, anything that the Holy Spirit's talking to you about, I would encourage you, do business with God while you can. Say yes to Him. Move on whatever the Holy Spirit tells you to move on as we worship Him right now.